Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. That you love one another. That will be the litmus test as to which your discipleship is measured. This is how they're going to know. And isn't it interesting? Satan knows this too. If it's by our love that we're known as disciples of Jesus, then wouldn't it also stand to reason that it's our backbiting one another, the way we treat one another that would bring into question whether or not we are truly His disciples? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Today, Pastor J.D. talks about the four loves we find in the Bible, derivative from the Greek language. He reminds us that as followers of Christ, we should set ourselves apart by the way we love others. Everyone in the world should observe you and the way that you love and know that your heart is striving after God's heart. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I'm sure you've heard that saying. People really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Have you heard that before? Would you agree (laughs) that that is so true? What Paul is saying here is, I love you so much, it's as much as a mother cares and loves her infant that she nurses and gives of her very life, the life-giving nourishment from that mother to that infant. That's the love that I have for you. And it manifests in this care. It could be said of the Apostle Paul, would to God that it could be said of every single one of us. They really care. I mean, they really care. They really care about me. You know how we do it, right? It's real surfacy and, you know, how you doing? Do you really care how I'm doing? Or are you just asking me, how, how am I doing? Because when we ask somebody, hey, how you doing? We don't expect them to respond with something like this, right? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Do you have a minute? Wait, I, I, I was just, you know, saying, how you doing? And expecting you to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm great. How are you? And even when we greet each other in church, right? And it, just this morning, you know, everybody, hey, pastor, how you doing? And I just give them the, give them, give you (laughs) the same answer every time. I'm blessed, because I am. But how about this question? How are you really doing? Oh, do you really want to know? Do you really care how I'm doing? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. If you really love people, you'll really care for them, about them. This brings us to the second way, and it's in verses 9 and 10. And it's very interesting because it's sacrificing. Listen to what Paul says to them. He's saying to the Thessalonians that he only spent, some believe, about three weeks there before he was ran out of town, some believe. 
But he tells them to remember what he did when he was there with them for that short period of time. He says, surely you guys remember our toil and hardship as we worked night and day to preach the gospel to you, so as to not be a financial burden on you. You remember, right? In other words, we worked during the day and ministered during the night. We worked all day and ministered all day. We worked all night and ministered all night, because we didn't want to be a burden on you. We wanted to preach the gospel to you. What's interesting is that Paul had the right to receive their financial support, but chose not to from this Thessalonian church. Not all the churches. He did receive, in fact, financial support from other churches. In his first letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 9, verse 14, he writes, In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Don't muzzle the ox in using another metaphor. To the churches in Galatia, chapter 6, verse 6, he writes, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. What's he saying? Well, he's saying that the laborer, those who labor in the word, are worthy of being supported financially. But I think that the takeaway from this is that Paul was willing to make this sacrifice for them because of how much he loved them. And think about it in the context of what Paul is writing to them. He's talking to them about the love that a mother has for an infant, and as we're going to see next, the love that a father has for his children. So it's this parental type of love that is willing to sacrifice everything for the benefit of their children. For those of us that are parents or grandparents, I mean, how much will we sacrifice for our children? Why? Because we love them so much. And that's why we do it. And that's what Paul is saying here. Well, this brings us to the third way in verses 11 and 12. And it's that of encouraging. Notice with me that Paul goes from the love of a mother in verse 7 to the encouraging from a father in verse 12. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of the role that both the father and the mother have in the life of their children. You know, the, the family is a microcosm of the family of God. You ever think about it like this? You and I are siblings in Christ, if I can say it that way. <laughs> Which might explain in some ways why it is that we have sibling rivalry within the body of Christ, the family of God. We're sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our God is our heavenly Father. And so it's a, a microcosm, really a picture of what is awaiting us in heaven for all eternity. There's something I want to point out 
here, and I want to spend the rest of our time on it. And it's concerning Paul's love for these brothers and sisters there in Thessalonica. He uses this word for love in the original language of the Greek New Testament, agape. And agape love is the highest form of love. It is God's love. It's not that God has love, it's that God is love. That's who God is. He is love. And this agape love is the love that God has for us. It's an unconditional love that is not predicated upon anything. And it's also reciprocated in our love for God as well. Agape love, the highest form of love. And that's the love that Paul is talking about here. You know, it's unfortunate because in the English language, we only have one word for love. And it just changes the whole complexion of it in the Greek language, because there are four words for love. So in English, I'll say, uh, God loves me. I love my wife. I love spicy ahi poke bowls. <laughs> I love you. I love this church. Uh, I love my children. I love my wife. And it's the same word. So you've you got to kind of distinguish and delineate in the English language between those different kinds of love. Not so in the Greek. In the Greek, you have storge, philia, eros, and agape. And they all have a very different meaning. Agape, again, the love that God has for us. Philia, it's a brotherly love. It's Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's where it gets its name from, philia a love that we have one for another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Eros, this is a sensual love. It's where we get our English word for erotic. It's a physical, sensual, even, dare I say, sexual love. And then there's storge, translated in our Bibles as natural affection. This is a parental love. This is a love that a mother and father has for their children, and in turn, the kind of love that children have for their mother and father. Very interesting, prophetically, we're told when Paul writes to Timothy that in the last days it will be marked by this lack of love, natural affection, that in the last days, one of the things that will mark the last days is that they will not have natural affection that love that children have for parents and that parents have for children. John's Gospel, chapter 13. Actually, may I trouble you to turn there in your Bibles? I just want to talk about this for a moment before we close. Jesus is basically summing up the law. He's condensing it. I guess you could even say in some way simplifying it and saying that you can basically sum up the entirety of the law with this one new commandment. And he says this, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, listen, as I loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you 
are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In other words, Jesus is saying that the way people are going to know, believer or non-believer alike, that you are my disciple, that you are following me, is by the way that you love one another. That will be the litmus test as to which your discipleship is measured. This is how they're going to know. And isn't it interesting? Satan knows this too. If it's by our love that we're known as disciples of Jesus, then wouldn't it also stand to reason that it's our backbiting one another, the way we treat one another that would bring into question whether or not we are truly His disciples? I think we need look no further than to the condition of the church today and just how Christians treat one another. Where's the love, as we say? You know, I often say that it is such a privilege and a joy to be the pastor of this church. And the reason I say that is because this is a loving church. And I'll have you know that there are very few pastors, and this is not hyperbole, I mean this literally, there are very few pastors that can stand behind the pulpit in their church and say to their congregation that it's a joy to be the pastor of this church. The latest statistic I heard, uh, and it's, it's gone up higher, is that 1,700 pastors leave the pastorate every single month. That's over 50 a day, if my math is correct. Now, granted, some for different reasons, but I would venture to say that oftentimes it's because there's no love. There's no love within that body of believers. You know what blesses my heart more than anything? And I can't even, I can't even begin to describe to you how much of a blessing it is when we have somebody visit and they'll comment or they'll send a, a, an email in or sometimes a letter in and they'll say, man, I, I got to tell you, Pastor J.D., when I stepped foot in your church, I was blown away by the genuine, sincere, authentic love that your people have. I tell you. <laughs> That, that just, I, again, I almost really can't put it to words. And I guess this is probably as good of a time as any to thank you for being such a loving church. Fifteen years ago, 2004, I uh, actually started the Bible study. It wasn't until 2005 that we started our first official Sunday morning service. And so 15 years, we've never had a church split in this church ever. And I praise God for that. And again, I, I, you'll forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but there are so few pastors that can say what I just said. I tell you, I've been in a church, not as the pastor of the church, but in a church as an elder and a lay pastor, and then subsequently as the pastor of the church. I'm sad to say, (laughs) I've been through several vicious, and I mean, I'll even say demonic and satanic church splits. 
And I've seen the devastation that it's caused in the lives of those people. I mean, marriages just, I mean, blown up. Families just decimated. I mean, the the children not wanting anything to do with the church or the Lord, for that matter, ever again in their lives, because they witnessed what had happened. I mean, just this bickering and fighting and backbiting. And I mean, it'll destroy. It'll destroy a church. It'll destroy a family. A house divided cannot stand, Jesus said. We have to be united in love. And this is the kind of love that can only come from God. That's the only way. I mean, if you're sitting here asking yourself, how is it even possible to love in that way? Well, Jesus answers that question for us when he says, you can love one another in this way because it's the same way that I have loved you. I've shared this before, and I I guess this is, again, as good of a time as any to share it again. But many years ago, my wife and I were first married. I, in a rare moment of just, I mean, godly humility and love, you know, as a godly husband, I, I said to my wife these words. I said, honey, I love you with a love that can only come from God. I'm expecting her to just, you know, start crying and leap into my arms and give me a Velcro hug and just, oh honey, I I love you all. Thank you. I love you too. And that didn't happen. Not even close. She looked at me, you know how like when a dog, and I probably should get a better <laughs> illustration, but you know how like when a dog, you know, kind of looks at you like this, like, what? Well, she was kind of looking at me like, you mean I am so unlovable? You can't muster up enough love in and of yourself that the only way you can love me is if God gives you a love for me? Am I that unlovable? I'm like, how did you just do that? It's true. I mean, maybe I could have said it a different way. (laughs) Surely she could have taken it a different way. But what I was trying to say is that the only way we can love one another is by the love that God gives us for one another. Are not the first five commandments summed up in loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, doesn't that sum up the second five of the commandments? That sums up the law. If you love God that way that much, and you love others that way that much, then (laughs) done deal. Real deal love. That's the new commandment. It sums up the law. It fulfills the law. Because see, if I love you that way, I'm not going to covet. I'm not going to commit murder in my heart. I'm not going to 
do anything against you that would be hurtful to you because of my love for you. That's why and that's how. And it only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the, by the way, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love. Love. I want to close with a quote. I think it just wraps it up and puts a bow around it and goes like this. At no other time in the history of Christianity did love so characterize the entire church as it did in the first three centuries. And Roman society took note. Tertullian, an early church leader, reported that the Romans would say, see how they love one another. This is the, the, the Roman Empire, the Romans, the non-believer, the world observing the church, and the world is observing the church. The unbeliever is asking two very good and very important questions that deserve an answer. The first question is, does it work? Does the Christian life work? And the second is, is it real? Is it real? And they want it to work, and they want it to be real, because they need it to work, and they need it to be real in their life. So when the world is looking in on the church and they're watching us and they're reading the letter of our lives, as Paul says, what are they reading? Are they reading a love letter? Would to God, when the world looks at us and observes us, that they would say of us, They really love each other. My. I mean, you can say all you want about them, but you got to admit, they really do love one another. I love the book of Proverbs, but there's a very interesting proverb, can be easily missed at first read, and it says this, that the, the desire of every man, woman, and child ever born from the beginning of time, is for unfailing love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love one another as I have loved you. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.